We are the tide from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. Welcome back, Tribe from the North, Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and the Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Marceau, and I'm joined today. It's the dream team again. We have a couple dream teams. Anytime it's a two-person team, it's a dream team. And anytime your backup host, it's a host, it's a dream team. Producer Dammer, Dallas Hammer, He's going to talk with us today. Dallas, how's it going? I have no idea how the Rams did today. Uh, so the Rams play Monday, so no Rams today. But I am on top of the world. Uh, for anybody that's into combat sports listening to this, uh, Juliana Pena pulling off one of the greatest upsets, if not the greatest upset in UFC history. Spokane, born and raised. Spokane all the way. First champion to ever be from Spokane. Uh, pretty cool stuff. Been on top of the world since then. That's why we're doing this a little bit late, because I chose that over the Bakersfield game. I don't know what's wrong with you. But you know what? ESPN Plus kicks ass, guys. So it's pretty dang easy to watch the replays. Full disclosure, I had to watch both these games on replays because of other things too, which downside, there's a game I really wish emotionally I would have been present for, which we'll get to in a second. But Around the Bar is is where we're starting. Brought to us by Hughes River Expeditions. We have two games to talk about. Now, they're out of conference games, so different from last year, where it was pretty damn easy to talk about two games at once because we played the same team twice. It's back to a normal year. Out of conference, we had two really two interesting ga- interesting games to me that we're going to talk about. First one, Idaho wins ninety eight to eighty four at home over South Dakota State. And Dallas, producing in public, if you could get the Ken Palm South Dakota rating while I, I give a quick run through the game. So Idaho, we're going to give you the ranking for South Dakota State in a second. But guys, this is the biggest Idaho out-of-conference win in at least five years. South Dakota State is a team that's expected to make the NCAA tournament this year. Heading into that game, they were 8-2. Eight and, eight and two. Idaho, surprise, it was, it was a tense game. Idaho wins by 14, 98, 84. The, exactly. Uh, it's on the screen right now if you're watching. Listeners, South Dakota State's the number 90-ranked Ken Palm team, 93 NCAA net-rated rate, team. Easily. Uh, look, a top 100 win is a huge deal because Idaho's a sub-300 team in both Ken Palm and NCAA net. Huge win. We were paced by one of the – I paused because I want to give the preface that this is not exaggeration. Mikey Dixon had one of the, a historically good offensive performance against South Dakota state. He led Idaho 37 points on 11 field goal attempts, which is absolutely incredible for a six, two shooting guard to put up a line like that. 37 point, 35 points, sorry, not 37, 35 points on seven of 11 shooting Three other guys scored double figures. Tanner Christensen, 14. Rashad Smith, 16. Trevante Anderson, 15. This was honestly one of the wildest Idaho games. Dallas, what was your story from what you saw? 
Man, uh, there were a couple of main points throughout the game. Uh, I think the first one you could easily say is I think Mikey Dixon is absolutely the best offensive player on this team. And honestly, it feels kind of like Trayvon a couple years ago. He is the guy, like, if it's all got to run through him. Uh, that was one thing. The other thing, and I, I hate to keep comparing to last year's team, but it, just to get the point across to everybody, this felt so much different than last year's team. Obviously, beating a, a top team on the road, but for me, it was, if we go to the play-by-play in the second half, when they hit that three-pointer to go up uh, 53-51, that, at that, uh, right before the media timeout there, it honestly felt... If it had been last year's team, that was the kill shot. That was when, okay, hey, you know, had that lead. Hey, Dallas, I got to cut in real quick. Tell us who they were. Sorry. Uh, they, as in uh, South Dakota State, the 90th, uh, 90 ranked team in the nation, um, it felt like they were, they'd put the kill shot on and it was going to fall down from there. Uh, it truly felt like if this had been last year's team, and I, I was. I was mentally prepared for, oh, this is about to get really hairy. This is when the turnovers start. This is when everything falls apart. And then the complete and utter opposite of that happened. And Idaho goes on a chair, and it's it's not even close in the, the final four minutes of the game. I, Brian, I'm I'm still stunned watching that. I, I watched it on replay, but I, I am still stunned that happened. A couple takeaways from this game. Idaho played close to the perfect game that they're going to play. If you watch this on ESPN plus one of the downsides is the, the broadcast had some technical difficulties and the announcing crew is young, which is to say they they'll get better. They need to get better. Uh, They, there were no score updates through most of the second half. So you, you would have had to watch on your phone to have an idea. You'd have to have your phone up to have an idea of the score was, which kind of did make watching the replay weird in terms of following. But this game, almost perfect from an Idaho standpoint. We shot 55% from the field, 54% from three, uh, going 13 to 24 for three. We uh, made 29 out of 34 free throws. So just, just follow that, guys. We were not missing shots, and we were getting to the free throw line. I mean, to put up 98 points, I mean, that, that means some things were working for sure for Idaho. Uh, other point that really matters for this team, we've talked for a long time, well, not a long, long time, but like one episode, but we've talked multiple times about Idaho rebounding and defensively. We are just getting our ass kicked. Idaho won the rebounding margin this game, 39 to 31. Now, of course, when we shoot 55% from the field, there's fewer rebounds for that team to get, which probably artificially pumped that number down. But still, look, we played the game. And we out-rebounded them. We've been getting out-rebounded by around 20 rebounds against teams like Washington State, Fresno State, and Utah Valley. Uh, last time when we talked, uh, Idaho's averaging getting out-rebounded by 10. So us out-rebounding the other team by eight. Dallas, that's a that's a pretty that was a pretty big big deal. And honestly, I, I didn't see this happen this turnaround happening because part of it is Kloss is going with a five guard lineup, and not only is the five guard lineup better offensively. They're better at rebounding in defense. It's funny. That's exactly where I was about to go. The The points in the paint. I had 28 points in the paint. They scored 90 points, or excuse me, 98 points and 28 points in the paint. That's It's honestly absurd. Um, and it's, as we came from the last few years of thinking that Kloss was not the guy, uh, not that I'm saying he is, uh, 
we came from, oh man, this is not the guy. It's just a worse version of the Verlin offense. The defense is atrocious. The play has completely changed. Could this, could we have seen 98 points at any point last year or the year before that? Like, this is absurd. Uh, playing the, the small ball, quick, fun offense. It's, that's the thing that I, I, I really want to reiterate for the more casual folks like me. This team is a lot of fun to watch. Like, my wife and I talked about it after I replayed it. We've got to go to Moscow. Like, I, we haven't, I mean, we've toured the new arena, but. I have to see this team play a game in the arena. Like th- this team is so much fun. No, absolutely. And I, we joke about this. It feels like Zach Kloss watched our episodes last year and he's changed the offense radically. The, we've seen this now for a few consecutive games. Really, Idaho bottomed out in that run from Washington State to Utah Valley to Cal Poly to North Dakota State, where we start out the season looking, looking, like exactly like we're talking about today, looking fun, looking interesting. Then we looked God awful, uh, just embarrassingly bad. But since Southern Utah, you know, we're going to talk about the other game in a second. Idaho's rebounded. It looks like the bottom out bottoming out is done. Now this team's not going to finish over 500, but unequipped. But if you understand that as an expectation right now, that this team isn't going to win the league, they're not going to make the NCAA tournament, but they can compete they can look solid. They can look like a team that is turning around. If that's your understanding. Yeah. This team's fun. This team absolutely is fun and pulling the, it's not happening as quite as much as I wish, but Klaus is pulling the posts out of the paint using them to screen and set up the offense. It looks much better when we're doing that. That's part of why we had, I mean, that's part of why guys like Mikey Dixon are getting penetration. When we get to the free throw line, this isn't post up. This is penetration. That's getting our guys to the free throw line. Uh, Trey Vonte, who he's had shooting struggles as of late still against um, against South Dakota State, even though he shot three of shot three of nine, I think. Yeah, yeah, he's three of nine from the field. He still scores 15 points because uh, getting the free throw line plus grabs seven rebounds, eight assists. Um, I'm ready to, to shift over pretty quick. Any last points about South Dakota State before we talk about Bakersfield? Uh, yeah, I just I wanted to shout out Philip Peppel Jr. Uh, first off, I mean world class name uh, coming from a name guy. That's a world class name. Extraordinarily good on the defensive end. I I haven't I haven't seen an individual performance from a player in a long time. They've been like, oh man, that guy on defense, what a what a rock star. But uh, three blocks was pretty impressive, uh, coming mostly at key points. Uh, pretty cool to see, especially like you said, we had under 40 minutes for the posts. No, numbers are hard. Under 60. Ooh, boy. Yeah, Tanner Christensen. No, you're all right. Tanner Christensen played 18 minutes against South Dakota State. Philip Peppel Jr. played 16 minutes. That's 34 minutes. So, I mean, sure, under 60, boy. but also under 40. Uh, Philip Peppel Jr. point before we transition, uh, just my take on what you said defensively, Philip Peppel Jr. is a great help side defender right now. Uh, he's mm-hmm. the best shot blocker I've seen in Idaho for what since like Marvin Jefferson back in like 2010 or something like that. Yep. Now Peppel is still one on one in terms of post up. He's still not a good defender. He does not keep people away from the hoop, but he has things he's doing well. He absolutely does change a lot of shots, and having a guy who can block shots like that could help Idaho become a better defensive team. I'm not ready to say defensive problems have exactly been fixed yet. But biggest win five years, man. 
uh, not going to complain too much about that. If, if this is what we're seeing every night, tone of the show would be very different. Uh, other game we have to talk about happened yesterday because we're recording on Sunday. Idaho go travels to Bakersfield. And we, Idaho and CSU Bakersfield have had a series going on for about like six years or something like that. And minus last year, where we lost by, I think, 10 last year, but it was really misleading 10. It was a 10 that felt like 90. Uh, most of the games between Idaho and Bakersfield have been pretty tight. This one, exact same way. It's, uh, Idaho goes down 59-58. It's relatively close wire to wire. This was very different in that – so. South Dakota State, we're talking about Idaho play, like, played close to their perfect game offensively and came away with the win. Idaho did not play close to their best offensive game against Bakersfield, but we still kept it close. Uh, Rashad Smith, to me, was uh, kind of was our offensive leader. He, he scored 16 points on 5 of 12 from the field. By the way, Rashad Smith had about 16 points against, uh, against South Dakota State, too, so we'll talk about him in a second. If he's turning a corner, that's a big deal for this team. Mikey Dixon goes scores 13 points on 4-12 shooting. It was a rougher night for him. Phil Peppel Jr. adds 10. We lose this game at the very end. It's 58-58. South, uh, Bakersfield has final shot. Their point guard takes a pull-up jumper with no space between him and Trevante. Shot looks awkward. Replay looks like Trevante didn't touch him. But look, sometimes awkward plays get called as fouls or turnovers, and that's what happened here. Uh, point guard for Bakersfield hits the free throw. Idaho goes down. Dallas, story of the loss yesterday at Bakersfield for you. Uh, to me, the story is that even when this team isn't playing well and it is ugly, like kind of like you said, uh, didn't shoot particularly well, uh, under 40% from the field and from three, uh, under 70% of the free throws, they still were in it till the end and honestly had a shot. Uh, I will, I will fully say it. I did not see a foul. I, with the advent of ESPN plus and being able to rewind it extraordinarily easy, I did not see a foul, uh, but again, awkward play. Like it's going to get called. It just, it happens, but it was really encouraging. Uh, I thought they looked quite poor in the beginning of the game. Honestly, I did the, the trick we used to use to talk through episodes last year, nine points in nine minutes. How wonder what, how this pace is going to go. And they somehow fought back. Bakersfield never pulled away. It was, that's the story to me. This team is probably not going to get blown out a whole lot. Now there's a chance because we just went off a run of three out of four games blowout. So it's fingers crossed that this trend matters thing I'm going to point to is first half, Idaho's down 32 to 26 at halftime. In that, in that first half, Idaho shoots 31% from the field. Trayvonta Anderson and Mikey Dixon combined to shoot one for 11, and the game's not over. That's, that might, I mean, that, reading the tea leaves, if this continues, that's a pretty big deal that Idaho offensively was just not our night. This game to me, Idaho played much more physically. As in, we there's an intensity to our defense that was really not present to me in any game we've played the entire season. We obviously held the team to 59 points. That's a big deal. Now we need if you're going to hold a team to 59 points, you got to win that game. And we just didn't put in didn't put up enough points overall. Um, 
Dixon and Anderson, two our top two scorers right now, combined to shoot four of 20 for 15 points. We still were in that game. And it's incredible that our top two guys can shoot that poorly and we're still close. That's obvious progress for this team. Uh, but to me, this is one that got away. This is a game Idaho absolutely should have won. A, a back-to-back out-of-conference wins and picking up a road win would have been pretty dang big for this team because we've referenced this in previous years. We're gonna, we sound optimistic about a close game because we still don't buy that this team is good. We buy they could be okay. So close games right now are you know moral victories, but moral victories do need to crest into wins. The South Dakota State win was a big deal. Getting back-to-back wins might have been huge for this team. We didn't, so it's it is disappointing. But stat I'm going to grab before shifting back to you, Dallas. We out rebounded Bakersfield, so that's two games in a row. We out rebounded team. We out out rebound them thirty six to thirty four. And now this is a game we shot thirty seven percent on the game. The thing that killed me and why I still say we should have won this game. We are eleven to sixteen from the free throw line. Idaho's one of the – have been shooting around 80% as a team from the foul line heading into this game. Man, if we hit 12 of 16, it's a tie game. 13 of 16 would be right around our average. That's a win, even with all the other things that didn't go our way. So, bittersweet. Um, positive that we're staying competitive even when we don't – things don't go our way. But – I mean, this team to me is starting to show enough that we can let ourselves we're, – we're going to be at the point pretty quick where we're allowed to get frustrated at losing close games. I mean, and that's the thing. I like. I already kind of talked myself into it. I like. I am a little bit frustrated about it. Uh, you mentioned Dixon and Anderson combined to go 4 of 20. What you didn't mention is that Trevante went 0 for 8. I, like, I'm really hoping he's hitting the, the bottom out of this slump. Uh, Again, 0 for 8, that's a, that's a tough night. Uh, even only went 2 for 4 from the free throw line. Uh, it, so it is frustrating to see some of the guys we thought were the going to be the better uh, contributors to the team. When they do have rough nights, they're still not quiet enough to get there. But again, it's it, it at this point, it is truly tough to be upset about a 59-58 road out-of-conference loss that usually is not that close. But it is, it is tough to see 0 for 8, Four for twelve again, shooting so poorly from the free throw line. There, there were chances out there on the court, and and they didn't take advantage of them. But it's also, it's not, it's not a young team, but I'll call it a quote unquote young team because they haven't played together a whole lot. It's a completely brand new roster from last year. Hopefully, a month, two months, we do see some of those close lo- close losses become wins. Yeah, well, we're at three consecutive solid games for Idaho where we were competitive against Southern Utah going down set. We went down 81 to 75. It was at home against Southern Utah, but still Southern Utah is projected to be towards the top of the conference. They're picked to win preseason, picked to win the conference. So not a bad showing whatsoever. Then we beat South Dakota state. By the way, our offensive rating in South Dakota state, did you look it up Dallas? No, I didn't, but I can do some quick live producing. It's 130. There we go. At 130 offensive rating, our best. Yeah, I mean that that offense. Our offensive rating was better against South Dakota State than it was against George Fox. As a reference point, that that's how well Idaho played offensively. Now, I'm gonna talk about Mikey Dixon for a second. 
in this, uh, the CSU Bakersfield game. And the reason why I want to bring him up is he has a, he has an interesting game in that he absolutely is a solid three shooter. He's good off the dribble. He makes a lot of, there's a cat on the screen for those watching live. He makes a lot of pretty tough shots or he takes a lot of pretty tough shots and he's, he's good at making those, but that's what a guy who plays like that. That's why you're going to see some games like South Dakota state hitting everything. And then next against Bakersfield takes quite a while uh, to, to get anything going. I, I don't know. I don't think he hit his third field goal until pretty late in the second half. Uh, his game is just going to be like that every once in a while, particularly wouldn't be shocked. They're pretty big split between home shooting for Dixon and road shooting for Dixon. But he's, yeah, you said earlier, he's clearly the best uh, offensive creator on this team. Rashad Anderson has looked real good. The last, the last few games Really, it, and it's important to me that Rashad Anderson can step up because I think offensively, if uh, and, correction, do you mean Rashad Smith? Rashad Smith, good lord. The generic uh, Trayvonte Anderson and Rashad Smith because their names are kind of generic ish. I absolutely flipped them up around. We have three consecutive double figure games for Rashad Smith. If he, I think it's important for this team that he can become our second score uh, because Trayvonte, who's a good penetrator. And, you know, pretty crafty. It's pretty clear the shooting we saw early is not going to be there. He's shooting 37% on the season. Um, I think those numbers are probably going to tune up a little bit, but he's just not a sharp shooter. He needs, he needs to keep getting the free throw line. If Trayvonte can be our third scorer and Rashad can step up to be number two scorer, I think that's the formula for us knowing where our points are going to be and how this team can look to the conference schedule and pick up some wins. Completely agree. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, I love the energy Smith plays with. I know the defense is still not not probably going to be anything more than terrible, but the guy's got effort out there. He leads the team in rebounding back-to-back nights. Like it, it, does, it does feel like Smith needs to be the second-best player on the court uh, for, for Idaho to really compete night in and night out. And you, brought up de- you brought up defense. I want to go with defensive numbers. We... This was our second best defensive rating of the season. Uh, unfortunately, our two best defensive ratings have come in losses. We best was uh, 94.4 against Cal Poly earlier in that bottoming out run we had. Uh, we're at 96.7. Zach Claus actually heard him um, before the Cal Poly game in an interview say a pretty big stat for Idaho is keeping def- he he said points per possession. He it's the same as defensive rating. He said we need teams to average less than a point per possession or in our language, less than a hundred, their defensive rate needs to be below hundred looked promising in the Bakersfield game. That is only our second time keeping a team with under 100. I'm counting George Fox. So I'm not yet ready to say that defense has turned around enough. Uh, Cause that, I just think that's going to be a year long project if it gets better at all. But if the rebounding thing is real, there's three consecutive games of rebounding being either close or you know close-ish against southern utah it's minus five then two consecutive games we win rebounding battle i think that's probably my most promising takeaway right now is we looked like a team that was not going to rebound at all the entire season there isn't necessarily the scheme to get teams to rebound better it's honestly people have to box out their own guy they have to go go to the hoop aggressively and we saw some aggression these last two games that we just haven't seen out of idaho earlier Dallas, uh, do you have that uh, thing in the background down well enough for me to stop? No, I'm so sorry. The uh, For the people listening to this, 
my orange cat is free at the moment on temporary leave from his room and is biting my toes this entire time. Uh, yeah. So, okay. Producing in public, you can throw it on mute. I can keep going. So yeah. Yeah. The rebounding, rebounding is one of the big things we had that we had to fix. Idaho had just been abominable, both rebounding and defensively. We're not going to fix both those on the season. I don't think we are, but if, if this team can take one of its two Achilles heels and turn that into just one flaw, there's reason to believe that's good and that's enough to keep us uh, kind of competitive. I still, I don't think the takeaway yet should be that we think this team is good. I think we need to stop talking about this team in relation to last year's team officially at this point, because one, it's a new roster. And two, we've seen evidence of, of this team responding to you know, getting thrashed in that run from WSU through North Dakota state that just wouldn't have been there with last year's team. Uh, Zach Kloss has absolutely changed up the offensive strategy, which you and I both think is a great, one of the great moves. I mean, look, we've, we're going to bang on Kloss when he does dumb stuff because uh, we believe it. I mean, last year we had a lot to bang on, but we're going to acknowledge when he does stuff right. And I offensively, this team's doing what they need to Kloss figured out how that the best way we need to use our posts is to set up others to score and then they'll score opportunistically. That's mostly what we've done the last couple games. You mix that with rebounding. That's why this team is starting to look competitive, Dallas. And you mentioned that we will praise Kloss when he does things correct. Uh, something we talked about uh, last year, uh, not to go back to last year's team, but this is about a player that was on last year's team. Something we talked about last year was that Gabe Quinnett had some nice moments, but ultimately probably needs to be the ninth, tenth guy on the bench, come in, hit a couple threes, go back out. Uh, Quinnett played nine minutes, had three shots, all threes, had one foul, one turnover, and was out of the game. Um, that's, and again, after starting most of the games this season, uh, that felt a lot like Kloss having that realization of, okay, you know what? This isn't working. He's missed three threes. That's what we need out of him. Nope. Pull him. It's not his day. Uh, that was, I, I don't want to get into a ton of praise because uh, we've seen what the last few seasons have been like, but it, it almost feels like somebody else is coaching this team. It feels like this is going to sound really mean. It sounds like, or it, it feels like he's watching the game now and is actually seeing things that need to happen and change. Uh, it, it It's refreshing. No, without knowing Zach Kloss and without interviewing him, it seems like his natural instinct is to try to do Don Verlin type of stuff, which isn't shocking. He was an assistant under Verlin for quite some time from that Stu Morrill tree. Lots of Stu Morrill coaches do the same thing. Travis DeCure, Montana, same, same kind of things. So it looks like that's just not... Zach Claus doing a, a, a guard-oriented offense based off penetration. That looks like it is just not in his background of what he would naturally do, but he's doing it. And that's what this team needs to do in response to what you said about Quinnette. Again, I, this is a this is the right move. He's honestly did the same thing with Bertain as well. Uh, Gabe Quinnette and uh, Nolan Bertain are essentially the same player. They are catch-and-shoot three-point specialists who – that's their skill that justifies a D1 roster spot is being able to make threes. Both those guys are subpar defenders. Both those guys are not great off the dribble. They're not great rebounders. So what Klaus did this last game, Bertain plays 11 minutes. Quinette plays nine minutes. It looks like they got, they were on there long enough to get, to see if they were hot. Bertain got one shot up in that time. Quinette got three shots up in his time. They combined to shoot one of four. 
then the minutes that had been going to Quinet and Bertain were dispersed amongst Yusuf Saleh, a uh, freshman who shot three of five from the field, which, hey, that justifies it. Yusuf Saleh, he looked, he's our most promising freshman right now. Yep. So him getting 23 minutes is a big deal. And Ethan Kilgore, who isn't going to tr- contribute offensively, he just doesn't really have skill set for it, but he – he plays hard defensively. He tries to crash the boards. His rebounding numbers against Bakersfield don't necessarily show it, but he, he was playing the he is playing the role of essentially a power forward as a six four guy. I I love that Claus is shifting those minutes over to Saleh first, uh, but Kilgore as well because I think Saleh uh, as a you know, kind of utility guard he's certainly a shooting guard first, but he can function as a nominal point guard. He is clearly our best bench scorer right now. So both those moves, I, I mean, I think those are the moves that we needed to see heading into conference play. This is really the point of out-of-conference play for teams that aren't competing for the NCAA tournament, which Idaho is not, is to iron out what what you need to prior to the conference schedule. I think Klaus is pretty close to landing on what the best Idaho system and the best Idaho units look like. Which is such a relief from last season's debacle and the previous lacking seasons before that. It, it really, if if you are listening to this and you have not watched a game on ESPN Plus, I highly encourage you to do so. It is not what Vandal basketball looked like for the previous decade. It's not the dumpster fire it was the last few seasons. This team is a lot of fun to watch, even when they're struggling. I mean. You get to like a Wazoo forty point blowout, and, and no, that's a little different. But okay, pause. This version that has yes, rebounded Alec bottoming out is fun to watch. Two weeks, they have been a blast to watch. So assuming this level of play continues, they are they are truly going to be fun basketball to watch. Now, asterisk of course is because it's it's a three game run. We should be optimistic. We need to see this keep happening because our run of bottoming out was longer than three games. So obviously we got that asterisk needs. We need to see this happening more, but we have reason to believe it will happen more. We're going to learn nothing about Idaho from our game. This this Saturday against SOG. The, the acronym for the school is SAGU S A G U. It's an American Indian school, which they're, they're, they're not NCAA. They're definitely sub D one. We're going to learn really nothing about Idaho from that game. It should just be another win, but the thing we talked about last week in terms of win projections for this team, Dallas, is um, you're tell me yes or no. Do you agree with me? Uh, this Idaho team finishing 500 on the seat on the season completely off the table at this point. I completely, completely agree. Um, you can make a uh, an argument they go nuts in conference play and approach 500 in conference, but 500 overall, no, not a chance. Okay, because, I mean, just quick run through. We'll, we'll go to the games. We're not going to be UC Riverside. Uh, but after Saga and UC Riverside, we're in a conference play. I do – We t- last week we said six-ish conference wins looks on the table. I'm willing to adjust that number to a range right now of six to eight. Uh, in that we – now I'm willing to say that number could go up with some evidence early in conference play. Um there's no question this team will win some games this year. I think the magic number that we should be looking at in terms of Klaus coming back next year, because look, that story is going to be here for a while. Uh, Klaus has, I believe after this season, he would only have one season left on his contract. We've talked about this in football. No coach enters the lame duck year of their contract and coaches. So we're going to find out if he gets extended or not throughout the season. 
I'd expect the magic number for him to get extended a year is probably 12 wins. Uh, 12 wins might be on the table for this team. I don't think it's unreasonable, but I think at this point, 12 is absolutely a ceiling. And it's the kind of ceiling where we might get there if the play from the last three games persists through the entirety of the conference schedule, Dallas. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's what it all boils down to, I guess, is if we see the team we saw for the last three weeks, then yes, that's... That's you mean absolutely. Three games, of course. Or, excuse me, three games. Yes, uh, that absolutely could happen. It, it just depends on. I mean, you think about the teams they're going to play. Idaho, if you if you're going off of Ken Palm, Idaho's three hundred thirty six. So I mean, still pretty awful. But assuming the play is what it looks like right now, uh, you go through this. Northern Arizona's three seventeen. Sacramento State is three hundred seven. Idaho State's three hundred five. Portland State is two sixty two. I'm not saying they're going to climb up to a Portland state level in these rankings, but there's eight games there that you're realistically going to have some shots in and, and real actual shots at winning, not just puncher's chance. Uh, So if you can go five and three, even six and two in those games, there, there is a chance we could get some upsets against the, the top half of the conference and, truly end up with 12 wins it's it's crazy i never expected to be talking about that with this team but here we are now the the rebounding to me right now is the key because i just until this team shows that defense is is going to be adequate i'm not going to presume it was It, it will be now we had what was probably our best overall defensive effort against bakersfield the the issue i have with generalizing on that yet is I mean, I've just seen this, this team look so bad defensively in so many scenarios. Bakersfield shot 41% on the game against us, against us 22% from three, uh, 90% from the free throw line, only shot 10 free throws. That was, I mean, this defensive effort was certainly, to me, g- good relative to what we've seen this year, no question. I'm certainly going to call it an outlier in terms of us understanding the rest of the season, but this is a pretty nice place to be right now for Vandal basketball of look, we're, we're still in the big sky world. I know still a little bit of a joke and there, we're going to be a joke in the big sky world until we beat teams. But I think that joke is going to end. If this team from the last three games shows up, look, we've already played one conference game. We're competitive, but starting NAU is our first conference game after closing our out of conference schedule. We have, we're at Northern Arizona on December 30th at Portland State on January 1st. Those are – that's a good good schedule. I mean, I obviously, we kind of wish it was on the road because I think Idaho getting momentum with wins really does matter right now for this roster. We have to have moral victories crested into wins. We got it with South Dakota State. We didn't get it with Bakersfield. That really does matter for the psyche of the team, and it really is going to matter. This is not my one negative takeaway from the South Dakota State game. That arena was empty for our best win in five years. And it was empty because based off the last three years and based off how the season had gone, it should have been empty. Because heading into that game, we were what, two in no, we were one in seven heading into that game off of we had an okay showing and we got a solid showing against Southern Utah. But bottoming out for two weeks in that run of four games was the freshest thing in people's mind. Hell, I mean, listen to our show uh, over the South Coast State game. 
Uh, it's not like we were that optimistic about the team. I do think they've turned a version of the corner of a corner and that bottoming out looks like it's done. Question is, can we turn into a team that wins some games? But that arena only has to be at half capacity to be maybe the best environment in the league. And for us to get to that half capacity, we just have to win games. There's nothing else. We have the Vandal Twitter accounts are doing better with social media engagement. Um, we have better feeds for people to watch at home. The arena itself is a superior exper- viewing experience, but we have to win games. People aren't going to show up Dallas. I mean, we could talk about that for another couple of hours. Uh, we've seen it with football, and we've talked so heavily about how the Kibbe Dome went from 14-5 when Montana was there in 2018 to under six this go-round. Like, it's the the same principle. Uh, it, it's unfortunate, uh, especially. I mean, I I haven't gone to a game this year because I was expecting this team to be hot garbage like they had been previously, playing a style of basketball that stopped being cool in 1965, and just expected this to be another burned year. And instead, we've got a team that's actually really fun and actually will win some games. Uh, I honestly, at this moment, I probably wouldn't pick them to finish last in the conference, and I, I never expected to say that this year. So, uh, it's small progress, but props to Klaus and this new roster of, hey, you're a whole lot better than last year. To to close this out, two two questions I I want to run you through Dallas. I'll answer them too. These are buy or sell questions. So first one, buy or sell. First two conference games at Northern Arizona and at Portland State are the most important games on this team's schedule. Absolutely buy. Uh, for anybody that's not uh, looking at the schedule, uh, Idaho starts on the road four out of five games to start conference play with the home game being against Montana State, who is very good. Uh, so, yes, uh, at, at this point, we could be talking in a month and talking about how Idaho just went over five and the wheels have completely come off and we were completely wrong, 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 wrong. When we recorded this or they split it, they go one for one. Maybe they get Eastern on the road and they come out of the, this stretch of games two and three. And it's honestly that six to win range is looking realistic. I think I know what you mean. The we're not going to finish. There's no reason to expect 500, 500 in conference yet, but team looks better. And to me, yes. Uh, the reason I say those first two games are a big deal for this team. And to me, in a way, most important is we're not, I just don't think we're going to be at Riverside. I, I know that we, we played great against a very good team, South Dakota state, South Dakota state just beat Washington state. It was in Spokane. That's a home game for WSU. And look, WSU put up 109 on us. So that is an unequivocally good win. That was kind of our perfect game. And I want the team played it. They deserve to be celebrated for it. But the asterisk, of course, we're not going to shoot 55% of three every single game. So duh, uh, just take away from that when we play. We have the ability to play very well. Uh, We just need to see more often. I think for this team to get momentum, because we're not going to have momentum to close out conference, the out-of-conference season, it has to happen right off the bat because we, we start out with those two road games, which is tough. Then Montana state who looks solid, then Eastern and Weber state. That's there's a world where that's for us. That's kind of a rough three games following Northern Arizona and Portland state. 
this team can't. I don't think the psyche of this team and the psyche of the fan base can afford for Idaho to start out what would be 0-6 in conference play because we're already 0-1 with Southern Utah. We have to pick up those wins against Northern Arizona and Portland State. That's how I think we buy ourselves some margin for error for some things to go wrong and for the narrative of the team, both in terms of people like us who cover it, but I mean, also in terms of the team itself, we start out on six in conference play and the narrative is, Hey, can Idaho turn it around? We need to not be there if we're going to be solid. And last one, buy or sell Dallas. So I think we're, I'm going to look at the big, I'm looking at big sky conference standings right now and listeners just to bracket it. Weber, Southern Utah, Northern Colorado, Montana, and Montana State all look pretty solid. That's the order of conference standings right now with Montana and Montana State both having a loss. Weber State, Southern Utah, Northern Colorado are all 2-0 in conference play right now. The remaining teams in the big sky that are not Idaho are Northern Arizona, Portland State, Eastern Idaho State, Sac State, and buy or sell Dallas. There are four teams Idaho can finish above in conference play. And, I'm then, of course, s- na- and then, of course, name the four teams, if you say so. I'm going to sell that. Um, I think they finish above Idaho State. That's the only one I'm comfortable saying. I, I don't... Man, that's a tough question. I I, I got to say they only finish above Idaho State. It ends up at the end of when it's all said and done, uh, and I'm about, I know I'm raining on all the optimism I just had. Uh, I think when it's all said and done, there's too many of those close chances like like yesterday, the 59-58 loss to Bakersfield. I feel like there's going to be too many of those left on the table, but I do feel like they at least finish above Idaho State. I don't know. Maybe above Sacramento State, I I think one or two. I don't think I don't think they could do all four, or even three. At this point, I think you're probably right. The teams for sure for me that I'd say it's on the table are Idaho State. I th- I just think they look better than Idaho State right now. Mm-hmm. I've watched Idaho State defensively. They t- they play tough. Their offense is garbage. I I think Idaho could absolutely be fine versus Idaho State. Um, similar to Sacramento State. Sacramento State is not you know terrible, but they're they're not going to outclass Idaho talent-wise. Northern Arizona is a wild card, but as a, I mean, take it for what's worth. Northern Arizona beat Bakersfield by ten. It was in Northern Arizona, but look, we just played. We just played competitive Bakersfield and should have won. Northern Arizona actually beat them. So, it, in terms of transitive property of sports, you'd say, hey, that looks like Idaho should be competitive with Northern Arizona. Uh, the other teams to me to look at are Portland State and Eastern. Portland State, I mean, they beat Idaho State. They got killed. I mean, they got beat handily by Weber. Lost to Cal Poly narrowly. We lost to Cal Poly narrowly. I'd say, hey, that's maybe a little evidence that Portland State's similar to us. I wouldn't put us above Eastern. I watched Eastern. That's a really well-coached basketball team. Uh, they're not as athletic as they have been previously, but uh, David Riley knows what he's doing in terms of getting those guys in position to the, the best position they need to be to win. Um, so I, I'm not yet willing to put us above Eastern, but I'd say Portland state and Northern Arizona, it's on the table. Wouldn't gamble in our favor yet, but I'm not writing that off. Dallas, any, you have any points to close out? 
No, I couldn't agree more. I mean, they like you said, don't write it off. Um, they there's there's every chance in the world that all of those close games break for Idaho this year, and maybe we think of it as fool's gold in the future. But maybe all of those those close single possession in the final seconds games, maybe they do all break Idaho and they do finish just inside the bottom five in conference instead of what I think everyone expected, which was complete cellar dweller. So uh, even even though, again, we're kind of down at the moment, this is a whole lot better than I expected to be at this point of the season. Well, we're not actually down. It's just we're trying to temper expectations. We're trying to – this is a positive about the team. We're not comparing them to garbage right now. That's what we were doing to start the year when we were not losing by 5,000 and we were excited. It's because the comparison was embarrassment. This team's clearly good enough that that's not the comparison point. That that is a that's positive. Couldn't have said it better myself. All right, that uh, that is. I think that's we're ready to close out. Uh, and last question, I'm pretty sure this is buy or sell, and I think it'll take 12 seconds. Uh, buy or sell. First off, what you you posted our NCAA net rating and our Ken Palm rating earlier? They were in the 300s. Do you remember what those were? Uh, yes, it was, uh, three, uh, actually, you know what I've got, I've got this magic thing called the internet. We'll do some live producing here. 336 in Ken Palm and, oh boy, I have to type in Idaho here with one hand while the other cat tries to attack me. 325 in NCAA net. Okay. 336, Ken Palm, 325 NCAA net. Buy or sell? Uh, 336 Ken Palm, 325 NCAA net buy or sell. Those are those are accurate. That's where we should be. Uh, sell. I I would imagine uh, by the end of the season, if you mean by the end of the season. Uh, right now, that's probably accurate. I think by the end of the season, I think Idaho is closer to 300. Let me phrase that. This is today. I don't. I don't mean oh, like I'm, I don't mean interpret their metrics. I'm saying, hey, this Ken Palm says Idaho is the 336th best team in the nation. Which, if we work from subtraction, that means we're about the 22nd worst team in the nation. There's 358 total teams. Buy or sell that Idaho is the uh, 22nd worst team in the nation. I would absolutely sell that right now. I'd absolutely sell that too. Uh, I think you're right in that we're. Look, this isn't a team that's going to be finish, you know, top 100 or something like that. But I, I think the NCAA net rating, it probably, I mean, and the Ken Palm, they probably have a mix of like, look, bottoming out absolutely tanked our analytic metrics because it should, because that's what we did. We, we died. But from a performance perspective, narrative perspective, um, this team is better than that bottoming out. I don't think we're going to see that at least extend. We'll probably see that for a game or two in conference play, but I don't think we're going to see it extend in conference play, Dallas. No, I, I I I would agree with that. And that guys is that has been around the bar, uh, presented to, presented by Hughes River Expedition. If you're looking for a great all inclusive week long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental United States, located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi day trip down the Mill Fork and Salmon, the Main Salmon River, No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. You can even check out special trips like the one to see the Perced Meteor Shower, camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in the history along the river and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the country. You just bring your clothes, let HRE handle the rest. 
Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal owned and operated since 1976 and ready to take you on vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Dallas, it's been a day. I think it's time for us to throw it to Colby Acuff. Let him play us away. It's a great day to be a Vandal. We have coaching news that's going to happen. Pretty sure something's going to happen this week. We're going to talk about it on Tuesday. Honestly, I hope it happens on Tuesday so we don't have to invent uh, what the hell we're going to talk about Tuesday and just have news. Because, <laughs> uh, honestly, if we don't announce on Tuesday, our Tuesday show will be relevant for nine seconds. But we should have good news coming our way for football, which we'll talk about later. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. So raise your glass and have a drink with me. Here's to the vandals and the craft. I'll just out there living the dream. Part of one and only Moscow drink.